Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 243. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? Doing pretty good. I mean, it's fucking gorgeous outside. I know. What a day. We're recording this on Sunday. Holy crap, it was great out today. I mean, it was just... I, I was just walking around the city. It just it felt so fresh and new, and there's so many great smells, and... and Oh, it was just amazing. Went to the park, and it was so relaxing. Just incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. This week on the show, got two reviews lined up. How Heavy This Hammer and the Horror Anthology XX or Double X. We'll say XX. Yeah, I wonder how you do pronounce that. How do they say we'll it? Say, we'll, we'll say XX. Because when you're referring to, like, the chromosome, you don't say double X, do you? I don't think so. No, I don't think you do. Good point. So, Good point. Yeah, so we'll, we'll say we'll say XX. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, you can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. If you like what you hear, or even if you don't, maybe consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. Patreon.com slash filmpulse helps us keep the podcast free of charge and free of ads except for the one i just did for our patreon can't stop that ad ever no that one's that one's just gonna stay i mean maybe if we end up making like tons and tons of money from our patreons hand over fist then then i won't bother anymore but until then we'll keep plugging it Let's start the show with a review. I'm thinking we could start with How Heavy This Hammer. All right. Uh, so this is written and directed by Kazik Radwanski. I have a synopsis here. Erwin, a family man who spends most of his time playing computer games, makes a drastic shift in his life when he suddenly decides to leave his wife, yet finds himself in the same rut as before. Kevin, I think we'll start with you. Starting it with me. Yeah, I think we're going to start with you. Okay, fair enough. What did you think of how heavy this hammer? Uh, I quite enjoyed it. It was, I found it to be, it's a, it's slightly familiar because it's one of those, you know, like the guy in Arrested Development type stage where he's not really pulling his weight. A little bit. Considering his age. But at the same time, I thought it was, I thought it was handled much better because usually it's played for like comic effect and stuff and it's just to put people in silly situations and to laugh at ah, he's he hasn't grown up but this felt a lot more realistic because there were certain times in this movie where i saw myself in Irwin, mm-hmm. where i was like yeah i do that i my eyes glaze over when i'm playing a video game or watching tv where i kind of get focused on drinking a beer instead of doing any other adult responsibility that i should be doing so i thought in that way with the the, the realism that he has going on here. I thought it worked out quite well. And just the the cinematography too, like I wrote in my review, the the way it kind of goes, you know, it can kind of, the way it's shot is kind of tied into the way we see Irwin. And then it also kind of plays into the way Irwin sees how everyone else is treating him. Because it's all done in like, it's super close up. Everything right. is super close up. Yeah, everything everything is pulled in very, very tight. I mean, nothing is in frame. Like, everything is 
is extending out of the frame. So the whole movie is just is pulled in really, really close. I actually like that quite a bit. Yeah, uh, I thought I thought that like like you said, it, it I thought that it really added to the narrative of this and his just the character of Irwin and the the rut, as it says in the synopsis that he's living in, where he's just kind of going through the motions, playing his video games, doing the bare minimum, uh, <laughs> yeah. like fatherly, husbandly duties. Just, just barely skirting by with that, and then doing his little, you know, rugby games here and there, and just, uh, yeah, I, I also quite enjoyed this. Uh, I thought that it was, uh, it's a, it's kind of a subdued movie, and like like you said, it it does sort of deal with the whole Arrested Development concept, where this guy just he he has no ambition to do anything; he just goes through the motions, but. Unlike a lot of those movies, it's, there's no big, uh, big moral at the end of the story. There's no, there's no, um, th- there's almost no resolution to it either. It's just he finds himself going from one rut right into the next, and he realizes yeah. like, oh shit, you know, the grass is always greener type of situation where. Yeah, but I do, I do love the way he handled the ending because it does, it gives you that little bit of like, oh okay. He's 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 finally made a realization, and then not so much. Mm-hmm. It was funny. It was almost as if it was uh, stuck in some sort of time loop. Yeah, where... yeah, exactly. It was like essentially just the starting of the movie all over again. Yeah, because at the because it it ended the same way it began, and it was interesting because towards the end there, when when you think like he realizes after he makes dinner for his family and all of this stuff and is spending time with them, that there's going to be a change in him. And then his son shows him what I thought was a different game, just the way he was describing it. And in the end, you see it's, he's just playing the same exact game. And it was just like the same thing all over again. Um, which, is, but, which is interesting because it I don't know about you, but it just, it didn't look like he was having fun playing that game. No, and that's the thing. Like, it didn't even look like he was enjoying the game. He was just sitting there stone-faced, and it didn't even look like he was having fun with it at all. He was yeah. just doing it just to exist, just as a means of, you know. <laughs> that, became, that became his sustenance. Pretty much, and it was like, uh, if he wasn't doing that, he was sleeping, you know. He was just... Well, yeah, because he was playing the game too often. He's just falling asleep everywhere because he's yep. up to like four o'clock in the morning playing this Viking. What is do you do you know this game? What is no, this I, game? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I've never seen a game like that before. It looked like a real game, but it's some sort of like Viking game. Yeah, I don't know if it was a real game or not, but it didn't look very good. Honestly, I don't know why you'd want to play that. There's so many better games out there, Irwin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not sure why he got hooked on that one specifically, but yeah, there's so many other games that you can get truly invested in. This just didn't it didn't really look like there's much to do. No. Nope. It didn't. But overall, uh I yeah, I enjoyed this this quite a bit. I thought Irwin was a pretty terrible main character, like and I mean that in a good way. Like he he just wasn't a very likable person to begin with. No. But he was that night he was because it's so realistic, because he's not like out and out terrible. No. He's not just like an absolutely awful, terrible person, but just watching him interact with his family and the things that he's not doing, that, you know, he's not pulling his weight. It's just like, God, you're an asshole. But, it, but at the same time, it, 
the the film kind of makes you reflect on your own life in that falling into ruts and falling into routine is very easy to do. Oh yeah. And it's and it's also easy to see uh that you you could be neglecting the ones around you. Like I have to keep myself in check because if if I didn't if I didn't force myself to be a productive member of society, I would just sit inside all the time and play video games and oh my god you know how you close know. i am, you know how close i am to just reverting to n- playing nothing but wind waker and drinking beer yeah day, like day out and just like that or like dark cloud 2 and just forgetting all right. of my adult responsibilities i'm so close to doing that and and the same could be said about really any any kind of hobby or you know entertainment you know reading arts and crafts fishing yeah exactly watching (laughs) movies it's it's very easy to kind of escape into your little cocoon and uh i think it's really important to try to break yourself out of that and i think that this you know watching Irwin, and it's funny because he actually tries to do that i don't think that he does it in a in a very uh, effective way by leaving his wife but uh which just kind of comes out of nowhere, too. Right, yeah. I, I liked that transition, too, because you weren't even sure what was going on at that point. Or at yeah. least I wasn't, because I didn't read the, I didn't know I didn't the synopsis going into but it. Hell, the first, like, ten minutes of this movie, I was like, is this one of those, like, documentary fiction things? Right, it's yeah. Like, I mean... Docu-fiction thing? Right. That, that, the, I mean, only, the only reason I knew it wasn't was because uh, Dara Campbell shows up as the school teacher. And I was like, well, I know she's an actress. Unless yeah, they it, inserted it, her just to mess with you. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, Erwin is played by Erwin Van Cottem. I believe he's a Dutch actor. Um, so, yeah, I, I also got this kind of docu, docu-fiction vibe from it, like, it, it felt very, very real. Um, I don't know how scripted the film is. I mean, it, I'm sure that there, there was a script, but it, a lot of the conversations felt very natural. Uh, people talked over each other a lot, and it, it definitely had that, that uh, realism to it that I always like in movies. Yeah, it was quite good. The, especially the cinematography. The way that the cinematography is kind of you know, employed to essentially add to the narrative <clears throat> instead of just being, you know, like, Oh, one perfect shot. It actually, right. you know, plays a hand in the narrative. Cause that was, it's it, like I said in my review where it feels like the, the suffocating nature of it is he always thinks that he's being attacked and everyone's just getting on him and just essentially suffocating him with all these responsibilities and duties. And then, on the other hand, we see it as him just being super selfish. Like, he's just a selfish guy. Like, he just wants to drink his old speckled hand, his video game, and he doesn't give a fuck about anyone else. Yeah, definitely. Which is, which is interesting, though, because it's not like he doesn't show love for his wife and his kids. Maybe less so for his wife, but there, there are several scenes where he's, you know, interacting with his children, and it, it seems very clear that he cares for them. But oh yeah, yeah, he just... yeah. That's what I mean. Though he's not like an out and out terrible person. You like you see those small moments with his kids where you're like, okay, he, you know, he's a decent guy. And there probably was a time where he was, you know, you you know that he has it in him. But like you said, where it's that end, where it's kind of like the time loop, where you're almost thinking to yourself, 
is this the first time that we've gone through this or is this like the fourth right or third time where <laughs> he's kind of going through this where he's not doing what he needs to be doing yeah yeah i thought it was a really interesting film overall definitely not for everyone it's it's a uh, not a lot goes on in this movie so i can understand why some people may um not find it to be that enthralling but for me it worked but you know these kinds of movies always work for me yeah plus it helps that you know it's 75 minutes right exactly the the brisk runtime i mean it gets in it does does its job and it doesn't it's not padded out with unnecessary things like yeah it doesn't just linger and linger and linger yeah a lot of the, a lot of movies like this tend to uh like re-accentuate the 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 theme and what's going on with these characters to kind of reiterate you know what's happening in their lives and why their personalities are like this and why they're taking a turn but in this it, it does it in a much more straightforward kind of organic way where we know exactly what's going on with this guy we figure it out and then that's that's all there is to it they don't need to reiterate it because it's uh it, it's mapped out very clearly yeah so yeah uh definitely recommend this one uh do you know what the release situation is with this one i do not all i know is it's playing it's got like a limited run in new york i think up until like the 25th of this month all right so if you're in the city definitely check it out it's how heavy this hammer let's give it a score kevin what are you gonna give how heavy this hammer like a, I initially gave it a seven, but this is, I've also noticed that I'm kind of in a rut given everything sevens. Noticed that recently. Yeah. Um, unfor- seven is my go-to number. Unfortunately, I, I noticed that I do that too. I'm just like, I'm just always like, yeah, seven sounds good, but I, it might, it's creeping up a little bit to a seven and a half sitting with me. All right. I'm going to give it a seven. And again, that's how heavy this hammer. I would keep an eye out on that. I'm sure it's going to end up on. Vimeo or one of those uh, services, Fandor maybe, or Mubi yeah. in the near future. So keep an eye out for that. Let's move on and talk about XX. Uh-oh. I have a synopsis here. Four, four short horror films that are directed and written by women. Uh, I was thinking we could just kind of go through each one and, and uh, talk about it a little bit. Uh, I'll start it off. <clears throat> I was really excited for this one. Uh, I saw the trailer. I knew about it from a while back. Uh, I, I like to watch these horror anthologies. Uh, we had a couple really good ones last year. Southbound was really good. Uh, so I was really excited for it. In execution, however, I thought, th- I thought the idea of using, f- for, uh, using an entire uh, female-led uh, crew was, was really cool, too, as far as writers and directors. But uh, So I turn it on, I watch it, and the first one, I believe, is called The Box. I was like, okay, well, that wasn't, that one didn't do it for me. Kind of a, kind of a slow start. And then like the next one happens and I was like, okay, well, I'm not into that one either. And then the next one, I'm like, okay, well, that one's a little bit okay. And then, but in the end, I got to say, I did not enjoy myself at all with this movie. I thought it was, I was so disappointed in every one of the four segments and overall, um, it's, <sighs> probably near probably near the bottom of the uh the horror anthology barrel for me it's terrible it's just straight up terrible because usually when you go the the issue with uh, like uh these anthology films right 
is usually have the one film that's the clear standout. It's just, you know, just in terms of what it's trying to do and the execution and everything, it's just leaps and bounds above everything else that's in the anthology. But you don't have that with this. No. There's there's nothing that sticks out. I think the only, maybe the last one, the Her Only Living Son, which to me, execution-wise is eh, but like the actual idea of it was like, oh, that's, that, that's a solid idea. That's something that you could you could build around. But what what they did with it, it it's almost as if they didn't have enough time to fully flesh that one out or at least didn't utilize the time wisely yeah um overall i didn't think any of them were scary even in the slightest bit i thought the scariest one was don't fall but that one was just it still didn't do it for me it still felt that the problem with a lot of these the stories in this and we can go through each one but they all just felt so bland and mediocre to me. Like the, well, it felt don't fall. I mean, that was like, that, that was kind of like paint by numbers. Wasn't it? It's Absolutely. Just, Absolutely. It's just, I mean, the there, box, there... the first one, I don't even, I don't get that. I don't understand the point. Like the acting's terrible. Everything about it's terrible. Cause it's just like, they stop eating and you know you can force feed people. Like there's feeding tubes. Right. Well, this, <laughs> that was just one of the several illogical moments in this in this movie. So the first one is the box. Basically, it starts with uh, a mom and her two kids on a on a subway. They see a strange man riding on the subway. He has this big red present. The kid, uh, the son, asks to see what's in it. He shows the kid, and then after that, the kid no longer eats. He refuses to eat, and then the kid whispers something to his sister then she stops eating then both kids tell whatever that's or no the son i guess tells that secret to his dad he stops then eating. he stops eating and then they die spoiler alert <laughs> sorry is, number one you're terrible parents you waited like four days of him not eating to take him to the doctor like what the fuck he's a kid kids don't stop eating like day one take him to the hospital take him to a doctor something i mean come on but it's just, I didn't, there was just nothing to it. It just didn't make any sense whatsoever to me. It's just how, like, at the end, she's like, I need to find out what was in that box. Yeah. She's like, are you serious? That's it. That's it. That was the short film that you decided to make. Right. And the, the, the idea of the feeding tube is what really got to me. Like, why would you not put them on a feeding tube? Why would you not be doing extensive tests on it, because, on them? Because... At one point, it just seems like they admitted him to the hospital and let him die. And it's just like, what is happening here? This makes no sense whatsoever. And then well, there's this like kind of interlude, this like dream sequence that happens. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe they're gonna go that way with it or something. But they don't, they don't, they don't which, do anything interesting with it. Which was kind of interesting because you know it makes sense to say like a mother would exactly yeah like that's what she was kind of yearning for she was ready to do anything she's ready to give herself yeah but know, at the, to her family but you you have the, the kid comes in and sees the doctor and the doctor says hey call me every day i want to know what's going on if they never call back that doctor's calling child services and those right. kids are getting taken away because those kids are like skeletons come christmas time if they're going to school looking like that guess what you get your kids taken away yeah she's, i mean it was it was ridiculous it's just such a stupid like it wasn't it wasn't scary it didn't make you think it was it, like there was nothing 
yeah. such a like a piffle of a film. It was just completely pointless. So the next one, I believe, was the birthday cake. Uh, that was directed by Annie Clark, aka Saint Vincent, the singer. Which yeah, which this is more of like a dark comedy. Yeah, th- I mean this which, wasn't this which, wasn't the the only thing I liked about it, and I think you'll agree with me was Joe Swanberg's hair. <laughs> his hair was out of control. Yeah, which this one too is you know at at the end of it you think to yourself, well, why did she was, do that? What, what what was the point of this? Why did why is this a film? The, so like, the, the premise for this one, uh, it stars Melanie Linsky. She's preparing for her daughter's birthday, and she discovers that her husband has died. And instead of calling the police, she didn't want to ruin her daughter's birthday, so she decides to hide the body. But the way in which she does it is the dumbest, most idiotic thing you can think of. And of course, it backfires horrendously. And yeah, it's sort of a comedy, but I didn't really find it funny at all. Yeah. And it didn't really fit. Like, I don't, I don't consider anything that happened in that to be horror. Like, I wouldn't put that in the genre at all. And it had kind of a music video vibe to it, especially towards the end, the slow motion. Yeah, when everyone arrives. And you know, that, yeah, looked, that, was... that, that looked okay. But... Yeah, because it was just mostly like Swanberg shows up with weird hair and then Lindsay bird shows up and talks a lot mm-hmm. and then that's it like we're done yeah that was it in and out like there, there's just nothing to that one so i wasn't impressed by that one then was then the following that was the don't fall uh segment which is about four friends who are out hiking and they find some ancient uh like cave rock paintings and then one of them gets uh possessed Turns into yes. this creature thing, yeah, and sure. kills them. Yep. Uh, again, I will say that that was the only one that I that I found to be even the slightest bit creepy. I thought the the kind of creature design on on that was was cool, um, but again, just just nothing there. I mean, so, yeah, just so, so base level. I mean, honestly, all of these are just a waste of time. No, there's and just, then they're just all clumped together to make a massive waste of time. Yeah, this is just, there was no substance to Don't Fall whatsoever. I think the, be- the best part of that one I thought was the title, how the, the title came in. <laughs> I like that. But. Well, that was weird, too, how they had, like, two title cards. Right, the t- yeah, that was weird, too. I thought that was, was strange, because <laughs> when, when it started zooming in, and you don't know that it was the title at first, and it was just, like, that red, I was like, oh, they're doing something cool with the visuals on this one, and then it says don't fall and i'm like okay well they already introduced it we already know it's called that um i'm not sure how that but anyway <laughs> just in case you forgot <laughs> and then the the fourth one was uh her only living son which uh is that one's directed by karen kusama i thought that that was probably the best if i had to it rate was them. the best it was the best idea out of all of them because it's kind of like an extension of like a rosemary's right it's kind of situation yeah. where it's you know it's, you have the mom raising the son of Satan. Right. It's, it's Rosemary's baby with kind of an interesting little twist. Uh, wasn't a big fan of how it ended. I, I thought that the buildup was, was okay with it, but um, yeah, it wasn't, it, it, the, the ending felt a bit lackluster to me. Yeah. And again, I think that's one of those things where it's either there wasn't enough time to fully flesh that one out or they just didn't utilize that time wisely. Right. Because yeah. I think it's a solid idea. That's a solid idea. 
honestly, I think the best parts of it were the transition moments, the stop motion stuff that was in that was at the beginning and yeah. in between. Like <laughs> that, that, is... that stuff, I genuinely liked. I thought that they did some really cool stuff with that, that was, and it was creepy. And it was very creepy, like the rotting apple with the bugs, and then at the end with the with the girl. Like I thought, all that stuff was really cool. So, but it's I, just, wish, it, it, I wish it the one of the, well, no, well, that's the thing. It didn't fit with the the short films that this show because none of the short films were like creepy or cryptic or gothic or anything like that. They're all just kind of like eh, lighthearted, like air quote comedy or air quote horror. Yeah, in summation, uh, really, really disappointed with this one. I because the trailer made it look like it was going to be really crazy and scary and and stuff, and I just man, it's just a bit of a wet noodle. Oh my god, it's awful. It's just straight up awful. Yeah, I mean, if they did another one of these, I'd still I'd still check it out just because hopefully, you know, they learn from their mistakes with this one and decide to make some It just felt so lazy a lot of it. Like and I'm sure a lot of hard work went into these shorts, but they just they felt like sometimes when I see these anthologies, I feel like the people involved are are like they take an hour to write it you know they put forth the the smallest amount of effort yeah like it was some sort of like challenge like yeah make, make a movie in a day and that's that's what a lot of these felt like they just didn't seem like much effort was put into crafting these shorts and it's funny because you know we're we're covering the uh fan dependent winter film festival and it's all short films it's nothing but short films and we highlight one every friday and I've been watching tons of these shorts. And it's like, you know, a lot of these short films are three minutes, five minutes long. And it's like they, get, they, they have so much to say in that, sh- that, that amount of time. It's like, why are you guys not trying anything interesting or new? Yeah. Because there's so many short films out there that accomplish so much more in, in uh, not nearly as much time that was dedicated to each of these shorts. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, XX, can't recommend it. Uh, I'll go ahead and give it, oh, God, two, maybe, two, 1.5, I'm right there with you. I think I'm leaning more towards the 1.5. I just, there's nothing, like, if you're telling me to point out a positive, I don't know if I really have anything, anything to say. No, it just it was not very enjoyable. At Besides all. the stop motion, yeah, I got that. That gets the one star. Yeah, that <laughs> uh, I could watch a whole short film of that. I mean, just put that as a short film. Put that out. I want. I want to. I want to see more of that. I want to see that dollhouse just creeping around. I like. Yeah, I like the the sound it made as it walked with its little crabby leg things. Yeah, it was creepy. Uh, yeah, that was that was by far best part of the film all right so that's xx that's available now on video on demand let's go ahead and talk about some of what we're watching on the watch list i guess i'll start it off start it if you don't mind do it uh so john wick chapter two watch out uh so you know this one i we, we talked about it on the show before it came out and i was both of us were excited about it uh but i was a little apprehensive i was like okay i don't know if they're gonna be able to Catch lightning in a bottle twice with this. I think the first John Wick was a surprise to everyone in just how 
exciting and fun it was and and surprisingly well made i just didn't think that they were going to be able to do it again with the sequel uh surprisingly they did it was pretty incredible um i have a a review for this up on the site the it does exactly what a sequel should do in that it builds upon the first one and doubles down on everything so it takes those kind of interesting concepts like the, the the world building in the first John Wick was really one of the most interesting kind of surprising parts like the the hotel and the and the coins and all of these strange people and the, the strange dichotomy that all of these um, criminals had with each other there's this kind of like underground world and yeah. they, they they definitely expanded upon that quite a bit in chapter two um, most of it was good. Some of it, not so good. They, they, it definitely stumbles. Uh, this is a long movie, and I felt like some of it probably could have been cut out or maybe carried over into Chapter 3, particularly like the Lawrence Fishburne stuff. He plays this kind of um, guy who controls the, ho- like the homeless panhandler population, and there, it's like this kind of network of panhandlers. <laughs> it's kind of i mean it's 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 slightly not as ridiculous as the way i made it just sound but uh probably could have done without that stuff it felt a little flat but uh everything else was pretty awesome the action obviously that's the big thing that you're going into with this uh was top notch i mean they they took all the action of the first one and just doubled it up i mean it was like everything was so intense like the first the opening sequence the opening scene of the film is about a 10 to 15 minute long action scene right from the onset. Nice. And basically he fights, he fights people with his car. Like there's dudes coming after him and he's in a car and he's doing like donuts, running people over in his car and hitting them with his car. And it's, it's incredible. You would think that you would just like, you know, it's a car. So you would not go after the car. You would just kind of back off. You'd think so. To exit the car. You'd think so. I mean, like, they have guns. They're like shooting at him and stuff too. But uh, John Wick 2 is, it's awesome. So I highly recommend checking it out. It's in theaters now. So if you haven't seen it yet, please go see it. And there's, uh, there's no, he gets a new dog. And I don't think this is a, much of a giveaway. It does not get killed in this one. So. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness. Last thing I need. Uh, I finally finished American Honey. I'm not going to talk about it because the movie sucks. So moving right on. To, man, that movie was... Ugh. I completely disagree, but we'll, we'll agree to disagree on that one. Lord have mercy. It took me three and a half months to finish that. Uh, I will talk about Ma. This is from... Ma. Ma. Sarah <laughs> Rolson Hall, who... Uh, she was in A Morning Light. She was a movement consultant for The Fits. Uh, and this is her directorial debut. And it's kind of like this really, really loose retelling of Mother Mary's Pilgrimage, which uh, really loose. At least I think. I don't know. I don't know anything about Mother Mary or her pilgrimage. I, I but, think it was like 100% historically accurate. It from wasn't. What, from what I read. <laughs> the red cowboy boots. <laughs> And everything. Yep. Yeah, the Cadillac. Probably. Um, this is an interesting, very, very interesting movie. It is because she's kind of like an interpretive dancer type thing. You know, think like Lily Baldwin. 
you know, if you think of like a collective unconscious, that segment. Um, so it's a lot of, I didn't, I didn't realize there was going to, she was going to inject so much of that into the story. So it's largely silent. There's really, there's no talking whatsoever. Maybe some noises here and there, some utterances, but man, does she, does she capture some, some great visuals just like out in the desert, nothing going on, like great use of negative space. There's a sequence where she's in a, like a motel room and all these guys break in and the walls drop down and the, the motel room is in the middle of the desert. It's just a lot of great stuff like that. And her, the way that she incorporates her interpretive dance into the narrative is, is something else. It, it, you have to see it really. It's just, it's something completely different. I don't know if like, not a hundred percent of it works. I would, you know, I'll admit that not a hundred percent of it works, but enough of it works and enough of it's just completely compelling and intriguing to keep you hooked. And essentially that's what makes the experience of watching it so great is that you're just, you're waiting to see how she uses that to kind of further the narrative of which there's like barely a thread. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, it's something different. And that's Ma. Uh, is that available? How's that available? VOD, I, right? Yeah, I watched it. I got it on uh, Amazon. Okay. Uh, I saw the Lego Batman movie. Ooh. Yeah, this was another one that I was uh, pretty excited about, but not completely amped up dying to go see it or anything like that. I love Batman. Batman's my favorite superhero character, as I've mentioned before on the show. And I love the Lego movie quite a bit. So I was pretty excited. To, to see it and uh it didn't let me down it was it was solid uh really funny the the first act was hilarious i mean i was just laughing nonstop through through the beginning parts um the action is a little intense it is a little bit too much for me maybe that's my old age starting to to peek through but it there's so much chaos going on in this movie at, at any given time. You, it's just it's almost overwhelming. You're just like whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> Let's just hold up a second. I can't even tell what's going on here. Uh, so it was it was really really uh, chaotic, but it was very fun too. Um, it was interesting how in in the film they kind of they they took the the Batman character and the whole like the mythos of Batman and they basically like deconstructed it and then they kind of focused on what makes Batman a loner and his like self-imposed isolation. And they made that like the plot of this movie where it's like him reluctantly getting help from people like Robin and Alfred and realizing that he needs people in his life, that he's lonely. And I just thought that that was a really interesting plot for a Batman movie and I had a really really great time with it animation obviously was incredible um it was the exact same as the Lego movie so it was like a mixture of the stop motion and CG this one actually looked better than the Lego movie uh but it's (laughs) it's a lot of fun so definite definitely recommend it I mean uh I saw it in 4DX it's my first time going to a 4DX screening what does that mean? So 4DX is basically like the chairs move, like they so they move with the action so on the screen. Oh, so, it's, so it's kind of like a D-box experience. Uh, no, not really. Like D-box uh-huh. just kind of rumbles, right? 
And with this, it actually moves. Like you're oh, on a shit. you're on a platform, and it like tilts. Like you get tilted all over the place. Um, it does stuff to your. There's like things in the in the the, the back of the seat that'll like poke you in the back. Um, there's fog that'll come up. There's like lightning effects. There's water that sprays at you. There's like air that kind of, they have these like air hoses that are positioned on the headrest behind you. So it'll like, sh- sh- like shoot you with air at certain times. Um, it's a gimmick and I doubt that I'll be paying to go see any other movies in it. I just, well, I wasn't that into it. I didn't think that it, you know, supposedly things like that are designed to be more immersive than make the film more immersive. But for me, it wasn't. It It sounds like it would do the exact opposite. Yeah. For me, it was a distraction, Uh, especially like the fog. So like at random times there, there'd be fog that would show up and it was actual fog in the theater, but the fog machines were right in front of the screen. So it actually obstructed my view of the movie. (laughs) And, um, there's like wind effects that happen, right? So like sometimes if it's the like a, a scene where they're flying in the bat wing and like they open it, the cockpit, and there's like wind and there's actual wind in the theater. But the problem is the fans are so fucking loud that it actually drowned out the dialogue and I couldn't hear what they were saying. And I was like, this is not, a, this is not an enjoyable experience at all. It sounds absolutely terrible. Yeah, so uh, I, I wasn't a big fan of it. I mean, for kids, I think that they would probably have fun with it. Yeah, because they, they, I, you know, if they miss a couple lines of dialogue, right. I don't think they really care. Yeah, they're not paying attention to that. But for me, I was listening for those little one-liners and throwaway jokes and things like that. Like that's those those are the 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 jokes that are designed for me, the adult going to see it. Yeah, and it detracted from that. So. 4DX, you know, I'd skip that. But Lego <laughs> Batman movie, tons of fun. Would would go oh, see that. Hmm. Uh, I watched a documentary called uh, "For Thousands of Miles" by Mike Ams. This is from back in like 2013. Is what it's showing on like Letterbox and IMDb. Uh, this is actually something that we kind of released on Film Pulse. Uh, it's it's kind of built as one of those like blurring the documentary with fiction type deal, but it seems more so of just like a straight up documentary with like a fiction laid over top of it. So what it is, is it's this guy, Larry McCurtis riding his bike across country. He just decides to do it, you know, do the old ride the bike cross country. So it's got, it's just following him, you know, just tagging along, getting great footage. The cinematography is fantastic. It's just, it's incredible the way, you know, they kind of like, they do pans or they'll just kind of like, just long takes of him climbing a hill or whatever. And the score, the way they score it, fantastic. Um, But what he does, the kind of like the fiction part that's laid over top of it is, it seems like, I'm not 100% sure how this went down, but it seems like him being along with this guy riding across country, getting this footage, kind of led him to like write like an account of the journey. So it's him doing like a voiceover, not entirely throughout, but a good portion of it throughout of like his experiences, what he's seeing, how he's feeling, that type of thing. And it's really, you know, it's solid writing. 
the only thing that I had like an issue with me is the way like his voiceover, the way that he does it, he really kinds of go for this like really solemn tone to it, mm-hmm. which it works, you know, it makes it feel serious and really impactful. Um, but at the same time, like hearing that over and over again, plus with the score and the nature shots and everything, it does kind of like lull you into sleep, which I don't think is the intent. Yeah. But, you know, taking something as simple as, you know, a guy riding cross country documentary, the way that they kind of, the way that he, you know, went about creating this film, I think works really well. Instead of it just being, you know, like a straightforward, just, you know, talking head type Mm -hmm. deal where it's just boring as can be. Right. Using some creativity with it. Okay. And that's 4,000 miles. You can check that out on our site. So just do a do a quick search for it on Film Pulse. Uh, I saw Beware the Slender Man. It's a documentary Ooh. about uh, the old Slender Man and the incident wherein two girls stabbed their friend 19 times in honor of the Slender Man. So basically, the documentary it follows the the trial or the 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 um, arrest and trial of the two girls that, that stabbed the other girl uh the trial was or I, I don't think it was it wasn't a trial it was like a hearing like a court hearing to determine whether or not they're going to be tried as adults so it follows <laughs> them it, it talks to their families it kind of tries to explore what made them do this and what their fascination was with slender man and then it, of course it gets into the the uh, mythology of Slenderman, where he came from, who created him, and like his his rise to fame on the internet as as a meme, and it was pretty interesting. This is one of these documentaries, and I don't come across these too often. Where I felt like it's too soon to release this. You need to mm. spend some more time on this because uh, it would have been interest more interesting to to just see it through to the end of the trial. Um, because at the end of the movie, they, um, it was announced that they will be tried as adults. And then that's mm. pretty much when the movie ends. Uh, now I'm not going to keep after this story. I'm not going to be looking up headlines to yeah. see how this trial is going. So I felt like it, that it, seems kind of, cause you would, there's a part of you that wonders if they kind of like utilize that and are trying to capitalize on that. Like I'm going to make another documentary that goes yeah. through the trial. It's it's possible they might do something like that, but I yeah. So that that was the big takeaway from it for me. I just I wanted them to to maybe spend some more time. Maybe they couldn't. I'm sure there was time constraints. You know, trials things like this take years, and I, I understand that. But it would have been nice to to see it through a little bit uh, a little bit further. Uh, the the exploration into the Slender Man it's pretty interesting. It's not like they expose anything i didn't already know or about the phenomenon of slender man but either way it's it's uh pretty interesting nonetheless and it's just it's a it's just an unfortunate story I, like i felt bad for for everyone involved of course i felt bad for the victim um they don't they don't talk to her, to her either at all in the documentary they don't interview her they don't and i understand that she probably didn't want to be part of it because she was yeah, most likely traumatized. Yeah. She was most yeah. likely traumatized by the whole event. Um, so I can't fault 
the you know the filmmakers for not getting an interview with her, although it would have been um, certainly more fascinating to to hear things from from her side. Either way, uh, it, this is on HBO. It's called Beware the Slender Man, so it's a pretty interesting crime documentary. Uh, I saw Frank and Lola, directed by Matthew Ross. This is the one with Michael Shannon and uh, Imogen Poots. This is a psychosexual noir. Whoa. <laughs> Which I'd like to point out, Michael Shannon doing psychosexual noir. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> like I like I don't see Michael Shannon as a sexual being. Like I just it just that's the exact opposite of what I think of when it comes to Michael Shannon. And Michael Shannon plays it like Michael Shannon, which I think we have to kind of like come to terms that he his range has been it's been diluted, I think, with everyone kind of casting him in the same thing. I think he needs to branch out, do some more comedy. Get back to the what was that show? The uh, God damn it, that Adult Swim show. It was like the reality TV show with the the guy had the red to cover up his face. Oh, what was that? Delocated. Yeah, delocated. We got to get Michael Shannon. We got to get delocated Michael Shannon back. Yeah, we got. We need him because he plays it like every every other movie where he's just you know grim. There's only one tone to his voice. And he's trying to be this like sexual guy, and it just—it's weird. It just doesn't work. But also, it's just an odd one because essentially he just—he gets tricked over and over again to the point where he just believes anything that people tell him. Like he, his his girlfriend at the time is like, "Oh, this happened to me." He's like, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna take care of it." And then he meets up with that guy, and that guy's like, "No, that's not what happened. This is what happened." He's like, "God damn it, son of a bitch! I'll get her." And he goes back to her, and she's like, no, that's not what happened. This is what happened. He's like, god damn it. Fell for it again. I want to get that fucker. And you're just like, holy shit, dude. Just move on. Like, you are gullible. It's And it's they go, like, overboard with the noir aspects where, like, everything is tinted. Like, every single scene is, like, super tinted yellow or super tinted red, tinted blue. And everything's just tinted. And it's, oh, it's nauseating. And I bet the the colors of the filters represent the tone of the scene. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. But the tone of every scene was indifference. <laughs> no one seemed to be interested in making this movie. So, I get, except like the, I guess the color filter guy, he had a fucking blast. I can imagine. All right. And that's Frank and Lola. The, yeah, this one just didn't interest me. I just well, I was not, I had no desire to. To see this one, yeah, it is. Ugh. Um, the the only other thing I wanted to mention was uh, a TV show, and that's Legion on FX. Oh, watch out! Uh, this was it, there's only two episodes out so far, so I can't say for sure if this is going to be one that I'm going to stick with or not. But I got to say the the first episode, the pilot episode, was really interesting. I mean, this is based on uh. X-Men. It's based on the X-Men comics and it's uh it's so interesting. Like there's just nothing I never expected a TV show like that. I don't know if it's going to take off because it's just so weird and cerebral mm. that I just can't imagine it taking off. But when you and and um I hope you watch the pilot because 
it feels like it's if Wes Anderson made an X-Men movie mixed with maybe some like Terry Gilliam or something. It's so bizarre, but it is so overtly Wes. And the, and the second episode's not like this. I mean, it's sort of like this, but the first episode is so overtly Wes Anderson. It is mind blowing. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it was just an observation. Uh, either way, I think it's a really interesting show. And um, I, I hope that it, it goes someplace uh, worthwhile. Yeah I'm, like, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Anything else for you? Nope, that's it. Done. Done. All right. Predictions. Uh, since we were off last week, we did not predict uh, any of the things that came out this week. However, I'll rattle off some scores here from Rotten Tomatoes. The Great Wall, I got a 35%. Mm. I, got, I didn't see this movie, and I probably won't, but they sent me an art book for this movie, like a big coffee table art book. I'll have a review up. Um, by the time you hear this, it'll, it'll be up. Um, the, the art book is incredible. But, yeah, I mean, like, um, we get these art books from Titan Books sometimes, and they, they're such high-quality coffee table books. Like, th- this one for The Great Wall... It's got like some of the pages are kind of translucent and they have these designs on them. Some of them are just clear, like they just like clear plastic pages. Um, some of them are fold out, so they like kind of fold out into these big panoramas. Uh, the like the binding is made to look like an old, like an old uh, text of some sort. So it's got this like kind of string binding to it, and then the edges of the pages are all gold. Uh, I mean, it's just such a high quality book. It's it's pretty incredible, the fact that they put so much like time yeah, and effort exactly. into an art book based on the Great Wall, which yeah. you know, thirty five percent. Oh God! Uh, Cure for Wellness got a thirty eight. Mm, that's a bummer. Yeah, yeah, and Fist Fight got a thirty two. That's not surprising. I did. What um, is surprising is I see XX right below that at seventy percent. Seventy percent, yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, this I don't understand. I do not understand that at I don't all. Get that at all. That's a that's a terrible movie. I agree. I agree. And I mean, I'm there were so, some of those horror anthologies that we've covered in the past that I liked and you hated, like Tales of Halloween. I liked that and you hated it. And there's probably some other ones. I think you hated the second VHS and I liked it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't man. That's why I'm just trying to think of like that stacked up against like the second VHS. Just, the the I, second VHS was far superior. I think so. And man, did I hate that. That's not good XX. But I, XX doesn't care. No, XX doesn't care. <laughs> just give two shits. And next week we have Get Out. The uh, Jordan Peele horror That's film. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm really, really excited for this one. I think this is going to be fantastic. I think that critics are going to love it. I'm going to say 86 on that one. I'm going to go with an 88. Yeah. Uh, as far as as far as far uh, wide releases next week, I think maybe that Collide movie is getting a wide release. Uh, but I'm not even sure. So we'll we'll do collide. What are you thinking on that one? Is this the it's an action movie with what's his name? What's that guy's name? Uh, he's, from, he's from Skin. He's from Skins. 
Yeah, Nicholas the Holt. Holt, yeah. yeah. Nicholas Holt. Which again, that's another guy where they're just trying to make him a thing. I like him. And just stop. Yeah. Just stop. Like he's not gonna be a thing. Nicholas Holt is not gonna be a thing. <laughs> there's just nothing to the guy. Like no offense to the guy, but there's not he doesn't have enough of anything to make him like a leading man. Not enough personality. Yeah, just not yes, nothing there. I'm sorry. All right, so, well, what are you thinking about Collide? I'm going to say 34. 34? All right, I'll say 32 on that one. A uh, couple other ones that are coming out that we're not going to bother predicting here. We got Rock Dog. Is that and, a dog made out of rocks? I wish. No, it's like, it looks like a very, very poorly done animated film. Mm. Uh, the Girl with All the Gifts. That one looks interesting. Yeah, yeah. We might, uh, might cover that one next week on the show. Tulip Fever. My Life is a Zucchini. That's, that's one that I definitely want to see. Bitter Harvest, As You Are. Uh, what else we got here? We got a documentary called Dying Laughing. About uh, stand-up comedy, I believe. Punching Henry. Kiki. Year by the Sea. Drifter. Uh, I'll probably be checking that one out. It's a horror movie. Uh, Fabricated City. I'll be checking that one out also. It's a really interesting looking... Um, I believe it's a South Korean action movie. It's like an action sci-fi movie. Pretty stoked for that one. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, there's a on Netflix. Oh, we'll get to it. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I think, I'm I think. sorry. That, that comes out. That, that's in a different section. I'm sorry. Yes. That's I'm on sorry. VOD, which we're going to get to right now, Kevin. Jumping okay. ahead. So I'm jumping the gun. Next week sorry. on VOD. On Tuesday the 21st, we have Decanted, which is a uh, documentary about wine, I believe. We need more of those. No, I know. We need more wine docs. Come on, guys. It's, it's an unexplored um, area of American culture. I actually got invited to a wine tasting in celebration of that film, but I, could, I couldn't go. Mm. I'm not a big wine guy anyway, so. Going to miss out on all that yellowtail. Oh, <laughs> yellowtail. I don't think it's going to be yellowtail. Darn it. If, well, if they're doing a the thing, like if you're going to do cost, that makes the most sense. Do that. Save a bunch of money. They, it, it's the wine tasting. It's the wine that's featured in the film because it follows a specific no, vineyard in, this in is, the Napa this, Valley. Yeah, this is what it's going to be. Okay. It's going to be those bottles. But the wine's actually uh, going to be yellowtail. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I think you. they're going to fake that shit. Well, I won't know. I won't, I won't be there. But It's accurate because you can't tell. It all tastes the same. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I completely agree with that. Uh, country, Portraits of an American Sound. This is a what I would assume a documentary about country music. Okay. Punching Henry. The just, what, did, what did Henry do? I don't know. I don't know. They want to punch him so bad. That that was a title change. That was originally called something else. Um, and they changed it to Punching Henry. I know. Yeah. God damn it. People in film are terrible. There's some a, people are just absolutely terrible. There's some decent people in it. Uh, Sarah Silverman, J.K. Simmons, Tig Notaro, Jim Jeffries, Doug Stan, Stanhope. It's about a stand-up, stand-up comedian. Uh, let's see what else we got here. The 2017 Oscar nominated short films. And then on the 24th Friday, we have, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. That's the one that's going to be on Netflix. Is that the one you were going to yes. mention? Yep. Okay. That was the one. Very excited for that. I'm sure that we'll, we'll definitely be covering that one next week. Uh, that's the Macon Blair. I didn't even know. I, I, 
was very recent that I found out that that was going to be on Netflix. So I'm I'm really excited for that. Same here. I got I got super psyched. Yeah. Uh, Kiki, Voodoo, and Drift. Oh no, I'm sorry. Drifter doesn't come out till the 28th. Getting ahead of myself. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to wait. Oh, you Drifter you fans. Could, you could see it in theaters next week. Ooh, there you go. Yeah. All right. Blu-ray next week. This is for Tuesday, February 21st. We have Bad Santa 2. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's just, there's so many. There's so many, like, anime. It's like 90% anime. I don't understand. Arrow is releasing Psychomania from 1973. Nice. It's got a cool cover. I've never even heard of that movie, so I'll be. I don't know, but it's psychomania. Yeah, I'll be I giving. Mean, can you imagine? It's a mania of psychosis, I guess. Like that's just it seems like it's going to be out of control. It looks like it could be some sort of uh, biker movie, so I'll I'll be checking that out. Hacksaw Ridge, Manchester by the Sea, Nocturnal Animals. Okay. No. Uh-uh. I would definitely recommend Manchester by the Sea. I haven't seen Hacksaw Ridge. I'll probably give that a look this week actually just that's, just Gar- that's garfield though yeah <laughs> <laughs> you just have such a keen hatred for british actors apparently young british actors man come on andrew garfield oh you Holy don't like shit. you don't like hiddleston you don't nah. like you don't like uh yeah, at least hiddleston has a personality garfield doesn't even have a personality you don't Jesus. like Donald gleason well he's just terrible hmm. who else is benedict cumberbatch I'm not a big fan of him. Really? Yeah. He's like, all right. I like He's all right. I mean, it, I'd like him and Hiddleston were the first ones that I was like, I don't like these guys. But now if you're telling me Domino Gleason and Andrew Garfield, I'm like, damn, those guys are amazing. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like how everybody views George W. Bush. Now we look back, <laughs> we, we look back with fondness of those during he, those days. He is such an eloquent president. I mean, yeah. the way that he was able to speak as an adult, it's just, oh. Anyway, what do we have on the Criterion front next week? We got two Criterions. We have woman, women on the verge of a nervous breakdown from 1988, that Pedro uh, Almodovar, which I haven't seen that one. I've seen a couple of his films, but that's one of his big ones. We got that coming out on Blu-ray. And you have Mildred Pierce, the original from 1945. Hmm. Which I do, I do want to see that one. It's supposed to have a great performance from Joan Crawford, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed the modern Mildred Pierce. So 1945. I mean, some of the stuff that they they tackle in Mildred Pierce, I would love to see that done in 1945. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be interesting. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have any questions or topic suggestions, email us at podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse, and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. <laughs>